I just want to start out uh, with prayer. Uh, this has been a wonderful morning so far, uh, listening to Paul and then uh, everyone who came up here and shared with us the prayers and everything. And uh, so what I want to pray for now is just wisdom because I prepared a 40-minute message, which is going to be taking place in 18 minutes instead. So we feel that God uses these times to really bring forth. So just pray that the Holy Spirit will work, that we'll see what the most important points are, especially in light of what God's already been doing this morning, because God has clearly been uh, working this morning. So that's what we just want to pray for as we begin. Father God, we come before you now. Lord, and you are sovereign over all things. You are sovereign over the great things and over the big things and over the national, worldly things. And Lord, you are sovereign over the small details of our life. You are sovereign over every moment. And Lord, you are sovereign over this morning, this Sunday morning that we are together. And Lord, there are words that you want us to hear. You want us to hear your thoughts you want us to hear what we are called to do. You want us to hear how to worship You and how to love You and how to live our lives, Lord. How to follow You. How to be fishers of men. So Lord, those things that are critical now, Lord, bring those to us this morning, Lord. And whatever part isn't, or I should say, Lord, what we want is your truth boiled down, Lord, so that we can understand it, Lord. So just be with us this morning, we pray. Amen. So last week we looked at Matthew chapter 1, and the last verse that we looked at was Matthew 1.15. And this morning we're going to look at the, the following ones, but I want to start in Matthew 1.15 because without understanding that, we're not going to understand the rest of it. So Matthew 1.15 says this, um, actually, I'll start with 14, I guess. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And then starting at verse 16, it says, passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed them. This morning we want to look at four different things in light of this, and this is in your uh, bulletin. But we want to see that it's Jesus who does the calling. And we want to see that Jesus calls people from every walk of life. And that He calls us in this passage to follow Him and to be fishers of men. And so to begin with, to be set the scene, the scene starts out and says that Jesus was walking along the, sh the shore of the Sea of Galilee. So just picture what's going on here, right? It's morning because they usually fished at night. It's probably cool. You know, the sun probably hasn't warmed it up. And if you can just kind of picture what, what it smells like, right? What, what does it smell like when you're by the water? You can smell that smell of water. And there are fishermen all over singing. Obviously, you get the smell of fish as well, which might detract from the nice, cool morning, unless you really like the smell of fish. 
But this is where we are, and they're looking at that, right? And you can kind of picture the birds flying overhead, maybe them coming down and grabbing a little fish or stealing one from the fishermen. But this is what the morning is like. And Jesus is walking along, and he sees these people in the boat. He sees uh, Simon Peter, and they're fishing. They're casting a net into there. And he sees James and John mending their nets. And so we can, they, they fished at night is what they did. And in the morning, they came in, and they mended their things. And so we can probably picture that uh, James and John probably did a better job because they were already in there mending their, fit, mending their nets. So you kind of figure, well, they probably had a good catch. They probably came in early and they're doing the mending the nets and stuff because any hole in the net means that they're going to lose the fish. And so they're every morning taking care of the nets. And then we can probably figure out the other two, uh, Peter and uh, Andrew, maybe didn't do as well because they're close to the shore. They're throwing the nets out one last time to try to make that night all night of fishing worth it just to get this fish done and we see Jesus come up and he starts to talk to him and he says follow me and I will make you fishers of men and our text says that Simon Peter and Andrew immediately left their nets and they followed him and it says James and John left the boat and they left their father in the boat with the hired servants and they followed him as well. Now this probably wasn't the first time that they had seen Jesus. But what Mark wants us to do is bring us to that point where we see where they make this decision to follow Jesus. But it says that John was already in prison. So at this point, the apostle, no, John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is already in prison. And so he's been baptizing people. And people have been coming from all over. And he's encouraging people to follow Christ. He says, someone's coming after me whose, whose sandals I'm not worthy to tie or to untie. And he's encouraging people to follow Christ. Christ is who he's pointing to. So there's a good chance that these guys have heard John the Baptist and have already uh, wanted to do this. We know that Jesus is preaching. They may have heard Jesus himself preach, repent. The kingdom of God is at hand already. But the point is, this is that time when they come and John wants us to see that they need to make a decision. Christ has come to him in this calling and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now the verse before that 15, he had already said, um, repent and believe in the gospel. So we are to repent and we're to believe in the gospel. And then we are to follow Christ. And we are to be fishermen for Christ. And so, Christ is the one who calls us. And I don't want to spend any more time than that other than just to say one, one quick thing. And that's just in those times, a disciple would choose his teacher or would search for his teacher because he's giving up a lot of stuff. And so it's a big, huge investment for them to find this person who they're going to willingly be the disciple of and to teach. But in here, it's Christ that comes up. And Christ follows them. And Christ has them to be his disciples. They're not looking to give up everything to be someone's disciple and do something else. But Christ is coming up and he's asking them to do that. And we find that all throughout Scripture that Christ calls us. We do see here that Christ calls all different people from every single walk of life. And so these fishermen would have been uneducated people. They not necessarily would have been poor, but they would have been uneducated because we see as uh, one of the sets, the second set, um, 
I forget which ones who came first, but it doesn't really matter. One of the James and John, I guess. But their father is, <laughs> I can see Mike laughing at me. <laughs> the seminary guy's like, oh no. <laughs> that guy's falling apart. Anyway, there's, there's two sets of brothers, right? This one set of brother has a father who has a fishing business, and he employs the sons, and he employs hired hands as well. So minimum, he's got five people working in this operation, where the other one only has two. So they probably had more money. But the point is they're uneducated. And they're just common people. They're just ordinary people living ordinary lives, doing ordinary jobs. And God calls them and says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And so these people... um, Peter and John in the book of Acts are brought before this Jewish council because they're, they're preaching and they're not supposed to be uh, doing what they're doing. Um, <laughs> Mike's laughing because I'm confusing myself again. But here's what happens. <laughs> Maybe he can't tell that, but he's over there laughing. So <laughs> here's what happens. Here's, here's what happens, okay? Peter and John are brought before the Jewish council. And the Jewish council... It says they were perceived that these people were uneducated. They were just common men. And it says the Jewish council was astonished. They were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And so Jesus takes these ordinary, everyday people like we are. And when we're with Jesus, when he calls us, when we follow him, and when we are fishers of men for him, it says that people are astonished. And what they noticed that these people had been with Jesus. And so there's great hope for us who are ordinary people. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians it says, not many of you were wise. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were you of noble birth, but God chose you. And so there's such a great hope. It's God who calls us. And so what does He call us to do? He calls us to do those two things. He calls us to follow Him. And he calls us to fish for him. And so, to follow, the word literally means to walk the same road. But it implies a fellowship with Christ. It implies this um, joint participation and this walking with one another. And one of the commentators says, it's to conform wholly to his example in living and if need be, also in dying. But you know what's so nice about when Jesus says, I want you to follow me? Because think about what he doesn't say, or what aren't the requirements, right? We don't need to be seminary students to follow Christ. We don't need to be scholars. We don't need to be smart to follow Jesus Christ. We don't need to be sinless to follow. We don't need to be perfect to follow. We don't need to be without flaw to follow. All we need to be is us to follow. And we can all be us to follow. And so God calls us to follow Him. What does that following mean? It means to forsake the things of the world. These things that draw us away from God. These possessions and these activities that we have. Possessions and activities aren't bad. But when they draw us away from God, and they continually to draw us away from God, is when they become a problem. And God is saying to follow me means to put me at the center. God is the king. We, 
we want to be our own kings. And we want to set up our own little kingdom where we're in control of everything and we know what's going on. And we're in control and things happen and we can predict what's going to happen. But God is much greater than that. He says, follow me. I am the king. Follow me. And so we forsake those things that draw us away. And we cling to Christ. And we walk with Him. And we're drawn to Him. And we want to be a part of Him. And the thing with this following, God says, follow me. And it's not just a one-shot deal. Following means to continue to follow for our whole lives. Some people have this mentality where He calls me, I was at uh, you know, summer camp, and I said the sinner's prayer, and that's it. Or wherever they were, and, and that's enough. But God's saying, no, it's much more than that. It's not just a one-time thing, but we continue to follow. And so we follow our whole lives. And we follow our whole lives, but what situations do we follow Christ in? We're called this week to follow Christ in an extremely difficult time. And as everyone has already pointed out so uh, wonderfully this morning, that we follow Christ during these times that we don't understand. We follow Christ when we say, I don't understand, Lord, what's going on. The only thing I really understand is that you're sovereign. The only thing I understand is that you're in control. The only thing that I understand is that this is working out for your good. And as someone else pointed out, during this following, what does it look like? It looks like we're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And Christ calls us to follow Him during these times. And He calls us to be that light. And we just will be that light as we walk through this. The other thing that He calls us to do is to be fishers of men. So we are to be fishers of men. And so back to our disciples, they're, they're fishing. It's a Sea of Galilee. It's, it's a freshwater lake. Jordan River runs into it. It's six miles wide by 14 miles long. That's all the bigger it is. Six miles wide, 14 miles long. And Josephus, the Jewish historian, said that there was 330 boats that would fish this thing. So can you imagine 330 boats? They must have been like, like everywhere. But what they would do right here is there was different kinds of fishing, but we assume that they were casting nets. What they would have is they would have this net. It would be a, like a circle net. It would be like 10 to 15 uh, feet in diameter. It would have these weights that would be on it. And they would throw it out so it would sink down and they would pull it in. These fishermen, when they threw out the net, had no idea whether they were going to catch anything. These fishermen, when they threw out the net, had no idea what kind of fish would come out. We know that they would take them out and they would separate the good fish from the bad fish, the fish that would do it. And it's kind of helpful as we think about this because we're called to be fishers of men. And we're called to witness. When we talk to someone, we have no clue at all beforehand if we're going to catch anything, so to speak. We have no clue whether they're going to listen to us, whether they're going to understand it, whether they're going to uh, take it to heart. And yet we're called to fish. And we're called to fish. And so we keep on speaking and we keep on talking, knowing that God is sovereign, knowing that God chooses people, knowing that anyone who was called who's a Christian was called. Anybody who's not a Christian and feels that conviction of sin and feels that loneliness or that separation or that isolation 
That's the Holy Spirit that's doing this. So we continue to fish in this way, not knowing whether they will listen. But God knows because God is sovereign, and so we continue to do this. Why is fishing so important? Why is witnessing so important? Why is our saying something, opening our mouth so, so important? Because in the Old Testament, Jeremiah talks about fishing for men. But the purpose there was to bring people to judgment. That fishing was to bring people to judgment. When Christ talks about fishing for men, he talks about escaping judgment. He talks about saving people from judgment. And so, when, um, just to read from the commentary, it says, this drawing of people into the kingdom of God was the whole purpose of Jesus' early ministry. And that's why it lay at heart of his ministry. I don't know whether I read that right or not because I was trying to read different sentences at the same time. But here's the whole point. Jesus Christ saves by us hearing the Word. And so Jesus wants us to tell the Word. And so when Christ came out, the heart of His ministry wasn't healing. It wasn't casting out demons. It wasn't raising people from the dead. The heart of His ministry was preaching the Gospel. Was saying, repent and believe. And that's what the heart of His ministry was. And so we too are to take that and that's to be the heart of our ministry as we become fishers of men. But as so often happens, we are eager to follow Christ, but we are fearful to fish for Christ. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine in New Hampshire just this last week, not really this context, but just in a just in a just in a personal conversation. And he was saying that even as a pastor, he finds it fearful to witness. And he was both laughing at himself and admonishing himself and saying, I'm a pastor and I still get nervous whenever I talk to someone. And the reason I brought up the conversation was someone was there uh, doing work at the church, doing some kind of outside plumbing, septic, something work like that. And he was even talking about being nervous, talking to that guy. And he's in the church and the pastor, and he was still a little bit nervous, <laughs> nervous talking to the guy. And, uh, but the Apostle Paul right, wrote, like I don't know how many books in the New Testament. Those books were written to churches. Paul, in those books, would have asked entire churches, entire churches, will you pray for boldness so I can speak the way I ought to, so I can speak clearly, so I can tell people what God's Word are. If pastors need, get nervous and need prayer, and the Apostle Paul gets nervous and asks entire churches, and those letters, he says, after you've read it at this church, send it to this church, and have them send it to this church. So he's not even talking about just the church that he's sending it to. He's asking all these people, pray for me so that I may be bold. Let us pray for each other that we may be bold when we are followers, when we are fishermen for Christ. And we know that Christ will answer those prayers. We know that God does. Because with all of His promises, we pray for Him, God will answer those prayers. He says, anything, if you pray to My will, will be answered. Certainly this is of our will. If He says, be fishers of men, it is of our will. Um, Just in closing, these men were willing to give up everything and follow Christ. Why were they willing to do this? Because He's God. 
because he's the savior of the world. In, in, the, book of, in the book of John, um, I'm only going to be able to find it, so I'm just going to ad-lib these words. But here's what happens. John, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And a bunch of the people who listen to him can't take the teaching. And it says a bunch of the people leave because of it. And he comes to his, his disciples and he says, will you follow me? He asks them, do you want to leave or do you want to follow me? So this whole following is, as, a, as a whole life thing, lots of times God brings us to these points where he wants us to follow him deeper and closer and more. And he brings up sometimes these crisis situations where we have to reflect Am I going to follow God? Not as in a loss of salvation or anything, but just am I really going to follow Him? Am I going to be closer? Am I going to be deeper? And so he does this with his disciples. And he says, do you want to leave or do you want to stay? And not word for word, but again, this is the concept. They say, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where else would we go? And so this is why these men were willing to, to immediately, as Mark says, they immediately left everything and they followed Jesus. May we be so willing. May we see God's glory. We, may we see it so when it comes up to it, it's just like that, where we would say, where else would we go? Where else would we go? You are God. You have the words of eternal life. Where else would we go? The band can come up as I'm praying. Are we having a closing song? Yeah, so the band can come up. Father God, we... Uh, Come before you, O oh Lord. And Lord, we just uh, praise you, Lord, that you are sovereign. Lord, we praise you that you call us. For Lord, we would never call on you. We would continue to fight to be the king of our own little kingdom. Lord, we would not give up our kingdomhood, Lord, to follow you. And so you break into our world and you call us, Lord. And we just praise you for that, Lord. We praise you that you call us as ordinary people, living ordinary lives, doing ordinary things, to be part of something extraordinary, Lord. To be part of the God of the universe, that we might be saved forever from our sins. These sins which would condemn us, these sins that would bring judgment, Lord, are now forgiven because you, O Christ, took them as your own, died in the cross, and Lord, you gave us your holiness that we might live with you forever. And so, Lord, let us follow you. Let our lives and our mindset be, where else would I go? Where else would I go, O oh Lord? You have the words to eternal life. And so, Lord, let us follow you this week. And Lord, let us be fishermen, Lord. We love the thought of following you. We love the thought of following you during good times, during times of suffering, Lord, where we have to turn to you. We love the thought of you being our rock and you being our comforter during those times that we can follow you, Lord. We're so afraid to be the fishermen that you call us to be. So, Lord, I pray right now. Lord, I pray two things right now. Number one, that we will become a church and a body who prays for each other to be fishermen. Lord, put that on our heart, put that on our lives, put that on our lips and in our prayers, Lord, that we pray for each other, that we might be bold in preaching your word. And then, Lord, I pray that you will help us to do that, Lord. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be with us, Lord, so that we preach your word, that we become fishermen, Lord. So that attitude of where else would I go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. 
would relate that it would change our hearts. So we look at these people and say they're not going there. And it would break our hearts. It would make us cry. It would make us talk to them. To love them. To befriend them. To get to know them. And then to speak your word. We ask for your power in our lives, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.